Hey guys, Chris here. I've got the amazing Richard Joy here today. Hey Richard. Hey Chris, how's it going buddy? Yeah, good man. Um, so Richard is the founder of Awakened Man. Uh, what we want to talk about today is we want to talk about how guys can, can grow on their self-discovery journey, find out more about themselves, um, to become their true masculine selves. Um, so Richard is someone I actually met six years ago. And when I was more into sort of the PUA, how to meet women on the street, um, Richard sort of felt like he needed a different approach. Um, and then I found Richard's uh, YouTube channel and I just found he was very certain in, in what he's talking about, very knowledgeable, some great advice, great journey. And it was just great to, to see someone like that who I'd met six years ago to become someone who's, who's running men's groups now, uh, really helping guys. So yeah, I guess we could start Richard with, I know you've run men's groups and you've, um, you've got a great website and YouTube channel um, and you help a lot of guys one-on-one. -on -one. So, you know, in your sort of experience, what, what is the problems that guys face now? You know, why it's sometimes guys still have a lot of self-esteem issues. You know, they can't speak to women. Um, they're, they're worried about the future. They're not really going after what they want. What, what do you sort of feel is the, the issues today? Well, yeah. I mean, I think um, for starters, they're, they're myriad. So um, different guys come from different places. Firstly, I think on the, the, the sort of meta level, I think we've had this breakdown or at least we're having this big cultural conversation of what it means to be a man and what masculinity is. And with that, I think comes a lot of uncertainty. I think you have one side who are eagerly pushing this sort of toxic masculinity idea, which has some valid points and some caricatured points and then on the flip side you have these guys who are they've, they've never really been shown any true masculine qualities they don't really know what it means and even to embody them is something that they're they're slightly fearful of maybe so i think that that's going on behind the scenes and well how is that manifesting well i think when guys don't have sort of strong authoritative role models it's very easy to slip into one or two things. That's either this kind of hyper-masculinity, which is sometimes manifested in really like jacked guys at the gym who are, look like absolute warriors, but maybe deep down they've still got a lot of fragility. Mm. Or it might even also be um, the whole gangster rap thing. There's obviously nothing wrong with gangster rap. It's an interesting genre of music and so forth. But... I've met many guys who are like nice middle class kids from sort of the home counties and they listen to this like most aggressive gangster rap and mm. it's almost they're seeking something in it, you know, and I think it's maybe a masculinity that, that they haven't found elsewhere. So they gravitate towards these more extreme forms. And then the other way it can go, and this was more my case, is it can really fall into a sense of anxiety of not really knowing where you are in the world, what your purpose is in the world. Um, and collectively, you, when you go out in the world and you have that fundamental insecurity and you don't have that guidance that's going to help you manifest yourself in the world as a healthy, well-rounded man, there's so many temptations. There's intoxicants, there's pornography, there's the hookup culture, mm. there's money, there's status, there's all these worldly things that we turn to. I think we seek 
our fundamental meaning in these things. You know, if this is something I went through for a long time, if I just have this good job and this pretty girl on my arm, then I'm okay. And the world can't prove I'm not okay. But deep down, there's a great John, John Lennon lyric where he says, uh, you know, you can't hide when you're crippled inside. And before mm. that, he says, you can wear a suit where, and look quite cute. And it's exactly how I felt, you know, this kind of shell of a guy. But deep down, there is a lot of uncertainty of, of who we are and where we're headed. And I think it's that that we really have to address and open up. And once we do, it's, it's extremely powerful when you tap into that area because it's very scary to open up that part of ourselves because, of course, there's insecurity and guys don't like to admit that they're a bit unsure about where to head and they're unsure about their ideas of life and how to act in the world. But it's almost like as soon as we say, I don't know, it, it opens us up to that raw, authentic growth that I think that we need as men. Yeah, Richard, that, I, I can agree with all of that. And like I think you mentioned at the end, in terms of being vulnerable, opening up, saying, look, I don't have the answers, rather than being this, like you said, the muscular guy down the gym who's you know, hiding his emotions and things like that is to, you know, it's kind of holding back of what is real. And, you know, sometimes you do want to cry and, and um, express yourself and, and be vulnerable and share um, and hold, you're holding that part of you back. Um, so obviously when I met you six years ago um, and yeah, and I remember you came to me as well and you were talking, I, you know, I remember the conversation well, actually, um, that you were talking about, you were you were heavily reliant on alcohol. This, yeah, this you were you were a bit lost. You didn't really know um, where you were going. So I'm wondering how you snapped out of all of that conditioning. That you know, the only way you could meet a girl, for example, might be saying like you needed alcohol. You, it was impossible, and I I can relate to that. It's like when I drank and I went to a nightclub, I could speak to anyone. I was the center of the party. I could be myself. Um, but after a while, the alcohol start. You know, I can't even really drink now. It kind of gets me down. So it's interesting how these things change. So just curious to know on your journey over the last six years, what what what's worked for you um, and what's got you to where you are now? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it has been a a very huge life transformation that I, I've, I've been through. And I think just firstly on that, there's, there's this almost a central masculine truth in that when I met you and the concerns I, I had were very much around, I, I can't act in the world if I don't have some kind of intoxicant to, to help me be confident and be this cool James Bond guy that I want to be on a Friday night, you know, that gave me this false sense of bravado. But it's almost one of the core lessons I've learned is it's, it is facing the fear and going through the fear, which is so life-changingly powerful. And I think, again, if we're trapped in this idea of who we must be and we're unwilling to really sink in to that, the, the, the fear within, we never truly grow and we'll, we'll always be lost. And it's almost, it, it's, it's counterintuitive really, but it's when you sink into that fear and face whatever it is inside you, that's, where you find that you can truly grow through it. And I've found that it doesn't mean that the fear goes, the fear's mm. still here, but it's just, you start to learn that like, you know, I am actually quite brave. Like I always face fear. And that's one thing I can say about myself now. I mm. couldn't say it six years ago when I met you. 
maybe I could to an extent, but one of the things that I've had to do time and time again is just keep facing fear and, and like, mm. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, and your, your mind starts racing and what if you have a panic attack? And what about if you just fall apart? And what about if you just can't deal with it? Well, that will happen then, you know, so what? You know, and that's the attitude that I've had to learn to take. And the more that you face it, the more that you can actually start to rely on and this inner bravery or at least acceptance of, of the fear. But with regards to me specifically and what changed, I mean, I'd come from a real line of just trouble after trouble after trouble. I'd, I'd, I'd grown up quite, quite a lost young man and a lot of violence when I was growing up in, in my home and mm. I was sort of separated from my father quite young. My parents divorced and I was quite resentful mm. about that, which I didn't really address until more recently. And I think I held some resentment there, which I also had to, Mm. to really meet head on and, and, and figure out why that was. Um, even though my father, you know, wasn't really responsible for some of those things, but there was a lot inside me that I was holding on to. And in that vacuum of a sort of a fatherless house, my brother got very involved in, in drugs and, and really lost himself in the drugs, became quite violent and traumatized me a great deal when I was growing up. And I couldn't understand then that he was lost. You know, I, I just mm -hmm. thought, why is he doing this? You know, why is he turned so, so evil really? And it really gave me this very dark idea of, of masculinity because mm. the distant father and then my aggressive elder brother who was like a proxy father. So I, I, I became, very nervy, I guess you could say. And I was trying to deal with that by smoking lots of weed, which just made it worse, you know? And then I got to 17, I had this huge sort of panic attack in college. And, uh, and from that moment, really, I started just drinking here and there to just ease my nerves and help me cope with the world and you know, help me talk to women and all that sort of stuff. And went off to uni and I was very, very broken still, you know, I just did not want to engage with the world didn't really even want to engage with women. So I was using pornography instead. And when you just use porn and don't actually engage with real women, that's not a positive thing at all. At least wasn't my experience. Mm -hmm. And this went on for just a number of years really until my brother ended up taking his own life because um, of his problems, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was obviously a very difficult time, but it was a real wake up call that I just mm -hmm. had to try and get my life sorted. Because unfortunately this sort of thing happens to a lot of young men today. And I just dived into self-help. Like I did everything I could. I read all of the classic books. I learned how to talk to women, about how to um, become a sort of a corporate business guy. I learned all about confidence and getting your life together. I did my absolute utmost. And this is sort of before the kind of YouTube, Elliot Hulse, Jordan Peterson type folks who became really popular. So I was just reading all these books really. Mm. And it really worked, man. It really worked. I ended up getting this job in London. I learned how to talk to girls and I got a girlfriend, had a nice flat. And I really thought, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've made it. I've overcome this, this, this life challenge I had. But within all this stuff that I hadn't dealt with was still churning around the death of my brother, this resentment I had towards life, this intense fear towards people and, and life itself and what on earth I was doing here and all this existential angst and I was just starting to drink all of that down you know I did not want to deal with it and I, I just felt as long as I had that external facade you know of a girlfriend and 
and the job and all that stuff, a nice suit, I could, uh, I could feel like I was getting on with my life. But eventually it just started to eat away at me. You know, I became needy in my relationship, which led to a lot of instability and her looking for other guys and then me looking for other girls in revenge. And it just became this complete mess. Um, even though I was still like, well, as I thought then in love, it was more you're in that state of obsession because you've been rejected, but it's what I thought was love back then. And work was just incredibly stressful and difficult. And then it just exploded. You know, I just couldn't take it anymore. All of this day after day of pain and it, it just exploded. And I remember I was just looking at myself in a mirror one day and I looked like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. you know, my hair was all drawn, my skin was dry and I just was so helpless and I just needed a drink, you know, to, to calm myself. And, and I ended up going to a rehab uh, up in the Midlands and um, I remember I was drinking this bottle of gin on the way to the rehab and it wouldn't work. The, the gin just wouldn't work anymore. Mm. It, was, it was terrifying, man. It was like I was just alone to face this mm. hell that was coming up. I got to this rehab and they detoxed me and I, I had no idea why then, but I, I was detoxed for about a week. And after, it was about day 10. So the first seven days I don't remember much, but about day 10, I just awoke and I had this amazing sense of peace inside, right in my gut. It was very small, you know, very small sense of peace. And I kind of intuitively knew to, to sort of guard that peace, you know. Now, all of my fear was still there, all the problems of the world were still there, but I just had this very small part of me that was just peaceful. And it sort of just grew as I was in the rehab. And then I came out, I got involved in 12-step groups and the like. I started to really learn about opening a door to what you might call God and, and the spiritual realm. And on top of that, I started to do a lot of personal work and spiritual work with regards to you know, forgiving my... Uh, father and my elder brother and forgiving those resentments and, and, and coming to grips and saying, what is going on inside me? And mm. getting to the root and, and realizing that my identity was built upon resentments and fear. Mm. You know, the whole person I built was on these childhood resentments around the, the distance from my father and the anger towards my brother for turning on me. I couldn't forgive for a long time, but this, this Christian guy said to me once, why don't you, why don't you pray for forgiveness? I did that for a week or so and um, it didn't really work. But then something just came to my head, like, why not, why not pray for your brother's soul, you know, rather than for forgiveness? And I, and I tried that and I just found just, I could easily pray for his soul because it was almost beyond his external behavior, you know? Mm. It was like, as soon as I did that, it's, it's like this explosion of love, you know, where it was, a lot of peace came t towards him immediately. And then I could grieve his passing. And then I could reach out to my father and actually create a relationship with my father again, which gave me a lot of stability uh, as a man. And then I could go back into my life and start clearing up the mess from all the, the drinking and, and the inner fear and mm. all the sort of issues I'd had. And in time, it, it became this, this, core of my life where something had shifted and I had to acknowledge that it wasn't me that had shifted it you know it was maybe you could say that the most I did was I gave in you know I, I gave in to all of my lies and my masks and because as, as you could call it my rock bottom if you like was so grand mm. 
I couldn't hide from it anymore. It was so public. So there's no part of me that could lie. And with that came, it was almost like I was restored to this default state where I could experience life as it is before my own egocentric interpretations were put upon it. Now, I couldn't vocalize it like that then. After doing a lot of spiritual work and spiritual coaching of my own, you sort of come to see like, ah, oh, okay. I think I had what you might call a spiritual mm. experience. And, and since then, that's, that's been the center of, of my life and, and that upon which I revolve around. And, and that's led into what I do now at Awakened Man, where it's very much about finding that, that mm. place within us, which is beyond the masks, and how we can, can live our lives in a disciplined manner mm. without being overtly rigorous with regards to the rules. So we have that self-mastery element, but it's rooted in something deeper than our individual egocentric self. And henceforth, we're radiating our being from a, from a place of love rather than fear. It's amazing that Richard. Yeah. It's always great to hear everyone's stories and transformations and own. Yeah. Battles that they go through, like with all, all of the um, movies, you know, you see, you see the hero's journey going through turmoil and, and coming out the other side. Um, and a lot of what you mentioned was again, what I've been recent mentioned on recent videos, what I've been going for the last couple of years is what is the, the root stuff? Like you mentioned your relationship with your father and thought just to touch on like when I talked about my video of, of PUA and, and that when you get into that kind of world you're just just trying to figure women out you're just creating this alpha male character um, but you don't really get to the bottom of of being your true self and, and I think you know you will agree with me and as I'm trying to tell everyone now that when you feel like you feel like I feel now and you're just you're just being you you're not in your head figuring stuff out and you, you start to eventually lose the anxiety and the fear. And the fear is always there. Like you said, you go into your fear. So a common question I've got when I'm still doing the men's groups is guys are like, look, I want to meet a woman. Um, I'm having no success on dating apps. I see a girl I, I like in the coffee shop and I can't speak to her. I've got anxiety. Um, and the fear in, of rejection. Um, I don't know about you, Richard, but I've realized that, you know, the, the, the rejections, the heartbreaks I've had have led to amazing growth. Mm, so, yeah. so I think it'd be good to get your perspective on that in terms of guys, you know, where is the sort of the fear and the anxiety coming from of going over and speaking to a woman? How can they get past that? And also that rejection's not, uh, isn't a bad thing. You know, I kind of think with PUA, it was always tiptoeing around rejection because you kind of created this, ego mask so you don't actually get rejected for being you when mm. we talked about being vulnerable is like you you know i felt when i got heartbreaks for actually being me it was very painful but it was also very growing i've got to this point now where i realized rejection is just a part of life you know it's not going to connect with everyone i think mm. to sort of see a girl and be like she's mine and i can't get rejected i have to find a way to make her my girlfriend kind of goes against the flow of life doesn't it so, you know, and there's a couple of questions in there, but the sort of guy is still saying to me, like, look, I'm, I can't speak to women. I can't approach them. And then they think pickup is the only answer. Um, what would you sort of say to that? What are other ways around that? What's actually going on beneath the surface? Yeah, yeah, there, there is a lot there, but it, it does all relate, I think. I mean, mm. I think firstly, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, what, what pickup is and, Obviously, you, you, you've 
engaged in it more than I have, so to speak, as we're an expert in the field, or at least were. Um, but I was very interested in it too, and definitely practiced it as well. And I, I do have this ambivalent relationship towards it these days, where mm. part of me thinks, look, it, if you're a young guy and you just you just haven't learned anything about women and about how to hold yourself as a man, you know, pickup can be beneficial. It can be mm. part of your journey, and sometimes. It's almost like guys have to go through that. One, to see its limitations, but two, just to find yourself as a man. And I know with me, I was so, I was so naive when I came into this whole world that I really was in that, that state of, I'll just be nice and all that sort of, I call it the Chandler Bing fallacy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you think if I just act like Chandler from Friends, like a lot of guys do today. Where you, Ross as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you're kind of nervous and, you know, you're bumbling, but you're sarcastic. You think, if I just act like that, like eventually some chick like Monica will just love me. But it, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Well, look, I'm sure there's one guy out there or two that can say, oh, it worked for me. But the majority of us, we just find that. But you kind of attract the wrong women as well, don't you? You kind of yeah maybe yeah. someone who's quite bossy and um yeah it, it, relationship exactly. problems and then you exactly. sort of give up and you end up unhappy and divorced and, you know. <laughs> oh, that's so true but yeah. it's like this is the thing because it's like you know it, while it's very valid to explore and explain the excesses of the pickup world and the dark side of it it's not like we have to just go back to the way mm. everything was it's like you can still incul inculcate the the good messages from it the things such as you say you know if you're just going to be this doormat all the time you're just going to get walked on it's just going to hurt you and someone you're in a relationship with so you do have to learn those skills and incidentally that's what i learned from being rejected in this major relationship of my life you know i was still stuck in this mindset of um oh you know she should just love me for for who i am and what i am and i don't have to put in any effort in myself and and and, and come uh, into that relationship with something to offer and actually have that that level of competence and confidence that women like but I also think men needs men need now that doesn't mean you have to be perfect I'm not saying mm -hmm. we have to be perfect all the time but incidentally hopefully this is something you will agree with as well is that that's why I believe in men's groups so much because mm. your relationship isn't the best place to explore all of your fears and your worries and all of your self-esteem issues yes there can be space and time for that in a relationship but it's not going to be the most fruitful place for you to do that sometimes it can create a lot of issues as well but i've personally found having men like brothers you know guys you really trust who really get it and you can really say to them you know what you're going through and what you're experiencing and the difficulties you're having that's what's really been a, a mm. real game changer for me but it, it took me to that point of rejection to almost think back and see like, because I was so resentful when I got rejected mm. from this relationship. But for me, it got to that point where I was like, look, this is taking me down big time. Mm. It's making me drink all the time. It's making me really, really depressed. And I'm going to have to say to myself, I'm either going to get over this or this is going to take me over. And in getting over, I had to address one forgiveness, which I mentioned earlier is so important for me. It's just, the practice of forgiveness and realizing that this twisted sense of justice that we get that like if i just hold on to that resentment there's some form of justice mm -hmm. in it but there's yeah. just not like it yeah just, that it person's just bad and i'm right and i'm, I'm and then, <laughs> then we talked about the shadow right i'm nothing like that person that guy is um but when i actually well, like i mentioned this in my last video as well like you know when i 
a lot of guys in PUA, some of the guys I, I didn't like. Mm. Um, but when I really seen that deep down inside myself, there was misogyny there. There was, there was hatred to women. There was a lot of stuff there. Obviously that just had to come out. Um, a lot of shame about myself. Once I addressed all that, there was nothing but forgiveness. And then mm. these sort of mm. guys don't bother me anymore. I feel like with a mm. lot of men, there was, um, yeah, just a lot of compassion to everyone, you know. Oh, but, definitely, man. Definitely. I think that's also part of doing that deep dive into yourself. And mm. when you share it in men's groups, you realize that, like, everyone has this. You mm. know, we're talking about it openly, but everybody has it. You know, mm. once you realize that, it does bring this sort of sympathy and compassion for other people. And it's one thing, I think it's Carl Jung who, who writes about, you know, when we're young, we, we see our parents as like gods because they provide mm. everything for us, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like when we have that resentment towards our parents, we get trapped as children, if you like. You know, we're trapped in that boy psychology, as I call it. Mm. Our identity is based upon these resentments. But it's almost like when you come to that part of truly looking within yourself, you, you realize that everybody, even your parents, are just bumbling people just like you. So they, they deserve and need forgiveness, just as you do. You know, and that almost frees you. And again, that was a big thing for me because it allowed me to move my parents out of the way mm. for the real God to come in. Now, whether you view that God as an Abrahamic God or the universal life, mm. you know, it's, it's up to you. But for me, it just allowed that force, if you like, that source of creation, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, to come in and be the root of me, which is also fundamentally what I view is the love, really. Mm. Um, but I just do just want to get back to the, the question mm. you mentioned did ask earlier because it's really interesting to think about how do we mm. approach people and it is like there's no point being around the bush rejection is hard but i do think there is still one week we just have to accept it especially you know in modern business and modern dating and all that sort of stuff it is just part of it but I actually do think there is an element of it where these girls usually aren't actually rejecting you. Like they don't really mm. know you. Mm. Like if you go up and talk to a girl in a coffee shop, how long are you going to talk to her for like two minutes, mm. five minutes, you know, it's like, you don't really know anyone mm. in, in much of a capacity over that time. So you have to just see they're rejecting you for you know, just this very short snippet of, of who you are. And also, it's necessary to almost chase those failures, you know? It's like, it's by chasing those failures and learning to overcome them that we actually accept life in and of itself because the idea of just striking a perfect 10 every single time is just impossible, you know? I mean, I've had it before on dates where <laughs> I'll be dating someone and I've thought, you know, I'm thinking, she's not anything that special. I'm not that into her. And I'll go for the kiss at the end and she'll like reject me. And I'll be thinking, yeah. what on earth is going on here? But then a week later, there'll be someone I think, wow, she's way out of my league and you're going for the kiss and mm. she'll, you know, kiss you back. And you think there's more at play here than just mm. her rejecting me. There's so many factors, it, you know, mm. where she's at, where you're at, so many things. And I think you almost have to for me, take that step back away from mm. that kind of external you of the Richard and everything that Richard stands yeah, for, yeah. and just let life be as it is. You know, go with uh, go with life as as the cards are dealt, basically. Yeah, and I can agree with a lot of what you're saying, and um, I think it's this trust in abundance of you will just meet someone. I mean, I think a lot of guys, even that I spoke to, are just like, I'm, I'm on Tinder, I'm on this, I'm trying to meet someone that they're not. 
and they're taking it personal. They're like, they're ghosting me. They're not responding. I'm like, well, they don't know you. They, they've just sent you a few, they've seen a picture of you, a few messages. There's no commitment. There's no loyalty. You know, if they met up with you in person, maybe they might let you know and give you some feedback. Um, and I think it is just, you know, this is what I was saying as well. You know, you just meet people at the right time, you know, and, and you connect. And, and I think this is the problem that, you know, if you've not dealt with the deeper stuff inside, you could just be purposely always going for, this is what I was doing. I was always going for women who, who rejected me and I was attracted to women who would reject me, um, you know, to, to feel, you know, I can only assume now is to feel the pain of, of rejection and, and to, to the parts of myself, I guess I was rejecting um and to, to be able to love myself more um mm -hmm. and, and i think unless you look at this um you don't really understand what you're doing and you can just keep repeating the same kind of relationships um which involves you know i thought the fine layer we could explore richard um in terms of the shadow because i know you've written a lot about that and that's part of spirituality um and it's something that i want to get out there to people that things like conflict I've, I've done a lot of work on boundaries in the last year and I found that so important that you actually put your own needs first um, I think what guys don't realize is that by being passive by if there's an argument going on in the room and they feel like they should say something and they avoid saying something sometimes I think people think being passive is an easy way out and it doesn't do any damage but what I've actually learned is you know passive is the other end of um, you know you've got a certain you've got um, aggressive passive aggressive and stuff like that but you've got assertive in the middle and i think to always speak your truth to 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 say what feels right um and there are is there are damaging effects by just being passive um and not stepping into that and, and seeing that as bad seeing conflicts seeing arguments as bad seeing guys who are greedy got money but but judging all of that i'm sure you'll agree richard is what stops us from stepping into that and when we do step into that we don't have to be that kind of person. You know, we don't have to be someone who's greedy with money. We can give to charity. We can help people. We can, you know, when, when we do become very sexualized, we can, you know, maybe not take advantage of women in the way that maybe some bad boys do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm just curious to get your thoughts on, on sort of the spirituality and the, the, the elements of men, uh, the elements of, of guy masculinity that, guys aren't willing to step in um and stay nice um and that's yeah what's what stops them really mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think there's like a, a chain linking the last conversation to this one as well i mean because firstly you know there is this fear we have of of rejection so to speak but that does tend to come from our again our, our ego self if you like whereas one of the things that's happening online, especially at the moment, you get a lot of guys who are taking the black pill or that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And they are like in a dark place, a lot of mm. them, you know, and it's this thing where women have become everything. Germany's like yeah. everything in their life. And it's like, I understand that it's important to want to date and want to have a girlfriend and all that. That's, that's fine. It's all perfectly natural, normal. But when you make it like everything about me just mm. needs like purpose, this, yeah. It's it's almost a sickness, and it is it's a shadow side, and it's like they mm. haven't faced the shadow, and they go online, and you know they get rejected, and they get this kind of pseudo information about you know women, and it's that red pill stuff, and mm. some of it's true, but some of it they take too literally, and they just get trapped in this world of like bleakness, 
and it, it it is almost like they need to go and face the shadow first and, and mm. in doing so find that that love that lives beneath the shadow if you haven't done this sort of stuff you just think i'm talking nonsense you just think oh, it's just airy fairy stuff until you actually do it and you meet what's there it's like that joseph campbell quote the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek you know it's like mm. we have to go in and face what's there and it's not always pleasant but in doing so we overcome or at least we're, we're given the opportunity to overcome because we have an awareness of the difficulties that we face and it's almost, almost in that facing of our shadow side if you will it, it, i think it works differently for different people but we have to firstly delve very deep i mean i do this seven-step program as part of my coaching and the first thing we do is we just write down all of your resentments and fears mm. and guilt and shame and it's just a way of bringing that shadow side out so we can actually look at it it's like just tearing it outside of you and look at this skeleton that's existed inside you and why is it there and what's it saying to you and what we're going to do about it and breaking down each each of these parts of us and i in the program that the, the idea of what we do is we then break ourselves further down till we come to this place of spiritual unity if you like or, or or oneness with the world as it is and then build back through and i'm a big believer in understanding what value frameworks are not just values but value mm. frameworks because I, I don't know about yourself but i've done loads of self-help stuff where it's always like write your values down mm. doesn't really help because we, we've just got ideas of what we believe in and these mm. things from your head you need to understand like the broader richer frameworks of why do we live by the rules we do and believe the things we do if we chart it back we start to see the spiritual philosophical cultural foundations and in that we start to see it's about the we not me do you know what mm. i mean so it's like we start to say oh should we have these values because they're better for me and we you know this is for all of us once you understand yourself in that way and you realize that these things are rooted in something deeper and more genuine, I think that's been my experience of what allows guys to then be more assertive. Mm. So if you have a very clear idea of what you believe mm. and you've really sat down and been very deep inside and then come back out and really manifested that, that regrowth through a value mm. system, value frameworks, that, in my experience, definitely personally, it was what allowed me to actually start being assertive in the world because mm. I know what I believe. I know different people mm. may believe different things, but it also allows me to be confident in what I'm saying. Whereas usually what you'll find is the people who are either too afraid to speak up or the folks who speak up a bit too much, they're usually the ones who haven't been on that, that deep grounding process of what they mm. really believe. That said, it, it still doesn't mean there's not fear in speaking up. Mm. You know, I mean, I know in any situation, whether it's a particularly vibrant men's meeting or whether it's a stressful work situation, you'll still get that trepidation, mm. you know, that, that voice inside that, oh, you know, keep quiet, keep quiet. Mm. But I think it's part of appreciating the beauty of life is actually mm. challenging that, you know, it's actually facing that adversity. And if you can keep doing that, you find that more and more you are capable and this is the thing as well that like we always think other people have got it all sussed out you know mm. they know what they're talking about <laughs> but we don't inside but the reality is everyone is in the same the same boat you know so this assertivity thing again i i do think it probably stems from originally guys not having mm. 
maybe the masculine role models who've helped them speak out. Sometimes they've had no father. Sometimes it could be an overbearing mm. father where speaking out made them really frightened. Mm. You know, that was part of my experience with my elder brother because he was quite violent. So if I spoke mm. out, it, it meant violence might be likely. So for me, there's still, still in my central nervous system, there's that, that push of like danger. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You feel your heart beating a little bit. But it's, it's just challenging that time and time again, and you do just overcome it. But as I say, I think you have to be rooted in something a little bit deeper. Yeah, amazing, Richard. I think that's a, that's a good final point to, to finish on, um, getting get into the deep sources of it. I mean, obviously, I think people want to know about boundaries and things like that. And I think it is good to know what to say and, and examples. And I think all these things help because sometimes you're just like, look, this person's taking advantage of me. I just don't know how to go about it. And then sometimes I think you do need to know the words and things, but you have to feel it. And I think our feelings are telling us something, you know, your neighbor's playing really loud music. Your someone says something that makes you feel very uncomfortable. You feel it inside. And then maybe you've been trained to just to shut that away. And that means that your needs don't matter. And, and I think mm. eventually you, you're like, no, I love and respect myself. I'm not willing to to tolerate this. So I'm going to mm. look to resolve it. And, and what do I want? What do I ideally want? Do I want my neighbor to turn the music down? Do do I want this to, to tell this person that they I won't accept their behavior? Um, and what you find is people agree and then they start changing. But in the beginning, maybe you even find yourself around people who are like, no, I'm not going to do that. No. And then you start to think, oh, well, no one's going to meet my needs anyway. But then you you open your eyes and this is the difficult thing, Richard, on the journey, isn't it? Cause sometimes you realize like for me in narcissistic relationships and, and all these sort of things, you know, thing with narcissism is people just don't value your boundaries. It's all about them. Um, so even when you say like, look, this makes me feel uncomfortable that they, they then make it out that you're wrong and something's wrong with you. So it's all, uh, it's all interesting with the journey. Um, so in terms of going forward, Richard, like for guys, like I really recommend everyone to check out Richard's uh, YouTube channel. He's got really good videos, top quality videos um, on a variety of different topics, all professionally done really well and um, runs men's groups, does coaching with, with other guys. So yeah, guys, I'm um, sorry, Richard, um, maybe just to, to let people on this channel know a bit more about where they can find you and stuff that you've got. I know you've got like eBooks and stuff as well, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So there's a variety of, of things you can check out if you're if you're interested. There's uh, yeah, my YouTube channel, Awakened Man. Thanks for the kind words. That's probably where I'm putting most of my effort right now. Um, however, there's also the website, awakenedman.co.uk, and there you can check out free ebooks, uh, especially on the seven step path of initiation. That's really the core of Awakened Man. I sort of touched on that a bit in this conversation. There's also some ebooks on things like meditation as well. And I'm actually in the process of a rewrite of my book, From Lost Boy to Awakened Man, which will be out, hopefully, if everything goes to plan, um, early December. And that's basically, it's, it's my story, as well as the process of the seven-step path and really getting very deep into why it works and why we do it and how it really makes fundamental change um, in your life. Apart from that, also on social media, Instagram, Awakened Man, Twitter, Awakened Man, and Facebook Awaken Man page, I believe it's called. So I think that's pretty much everything. Yeah, that's amazing, Richard. Yeah, it's just good to give people more more resources and and information and to check check out Richard if you resonate with him today for sure. 
Um, and, you know, I can obviously vouch just saying, like, I do remember Richard six years ago. And it's just amazing how when you meet people like this, because I, I've met so many people over the last six, seven, eight years who you sometimes maybe you don't even see any growth at all or they're the same. They're in the same. But then when you do see people who grow in particular, like Richard, you know, it's like a completely different person. You know, I do remember him as, you know being nervous and um you know looking for the answers a bit all over the place and, and to see him more like no this is who i am and this is what i do it's um it's brilliant and it's just more proof that this stuff works um particularly if you're a guy who's not really had that masculine role model you've been low on confidence maybe you suffered from bullying and all these things and then you can come out the other side um and it isn't just like the Hollywood movies where, and like you said, in Friends, where you, you're, just, you're just this nervous, insecure guy. And then one day a woman comes along. And I think what I've learned, and, you know, this can be very much about being a little boy and you just want your, your mummy to, to turn up. And, you know, that's kind of the deeper therapy side of it. Yeah. Uh, whereas in, in reality, you have to transform into to a man, you know. So I'm sure me and Richard both will agree on that. And finally leave it leave it there richard um, i guess any final final words for for people watching you know guys at home now just like you know what's something i could do right now to to get me started what's what's some valuable last bit of advice richard i would really recommend that you check out what i call the silent prayer it's on my youtube channel it's mm. basically a form of meditation when i say prayer don't, don't be afraid i'm not going to try and uh, throw any form of like Christianity or anything on you. I'm sort of pan-spiritual, I guess you could say. So I don't really have a denomination. But I really do think it's very helpful to guys because it takes us back to that, that place beyond our mind and lets us just build the practice of watching what's going on, watching our emotions, watching our mind. It's kind of the archetypal wise king, you know, just watch surveying your kingdom as everything goes around. And the deeper that you learn to sit in that, the more peace you will get. It's really very simple, but it's definitely worth checking out. If you really don't want to check out my silent prayer, at least check out a bit of silent meditation. Amazing. Yeah. I can vouch for meditation being, being life-changing. And um, I'm sure like it's about if people haven't, I've a lot of people do meditation and they go, I get bored. And I think once you start to find that peace inside, you will eventually get to that point And then you'll be like, ah, this, this is valuable. I found a greater depth inside myself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Richard. Well, thanks for today, mate. And um, I'm sure we'll see you around and, um, and get you on another call at some point discussing other things. Um, so yeah, thanks for your time and, um, and your inputs today. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you very much. And love what you're doing too. So thanks a lot, buddy. Cheers, man.